Thank you for listening in to this episode of Her Wild Outdoors. Haley Ball is joining me for this Out of the Ordinary Friday podcast. And I hope that you listen in and hear her story on what has been going on over the past week and give her your support. Um, give her your love and your prayers and let's just lift each other up despite our differences when we are hunting legally, responsibly, and respectfully. Thank you, everybody, for coming on and listening to an episode of Her Wild Outdoors. This episode's a little bit different. Um than normal. It's going to be coming out on a Friday instead of a Monday, but I am excited because I'm sitting down with Haley Ball and we are discussing um, just a couple of things that she's been through over the past couple of days, but uh, we're going to really focus on the positive side of this and on support in our community um, women who hunt and, and just the the great things that can come from negative things. So Haley, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Good, good. Well, I want to get just a little background on you. I know that you live in Oklahoma. So give us just a little bit of who you are, how you've gotten started in the outdoors and kind of what that foundation is for you. Well, I grew up here for the most part in Northwest Oklahoma. Um, my dad was from Salmon, Idaho. So, you know, outdoors is a huge part of what he had growing up. Mm-hmm. He lived on a ranch there and really, you know, they kind of, he, he said that he always took hunting for granted there because they had such an abundance and not that many people hunting. And so, he, you know, that was always something huge for him to take us kids hunting and my mom's actually from Kansas, so I always wondered why the heck they moved us to the <laughs> what I call the armpit of Oklahoma. We're right under the panhandle, and uh, so I started off hunting. And um, whenever I was young, I got my hunter safety when I was eight years old, so that was a huge deal for me. I thought I was just the hottest stuff ever because I had my hunter safety. I thought that meant I was big timing. Of course. No. <laughs> And so my dad passed away um, shortly after I turned eight years old. And from then on, um, you know, I have an older sister and a little brother and everybody, you know, always wants to take the boy hunting. And Mm -hmm. so I got left out a lot. My brother, he, he liked hunting, but it's just not something he's passionate about. He's more passionate about ranching and horses. And, you know, that's also a love that we have. Everything we love is outdoors. Mm -hmm. So I, whenever I was in high school, got the opportunity to, um, go hunting myself and, you know, my grandpa would take me here and there, but you know, it's just not quite the same as all the hunts my brother got to go on in Kansas and Mm -hmm. Texas and all that. And, um, so I really started developing my passion for it, you know, never really getting my foot in the door with it besides whenever I was younger. Right. And then I met my now husband Garrett and he got me into bow hunting. And before this, um, I had never, I had a bow, but I really, nobody ever showed me how to use it. So I didn't really know what I was doing. And, um, so he got me into bow hunting whenever I was 18 
and um it just blossomed from there and I got to the point where I was like man I'm never going to pick up a gun again and (laughs) I did yes (laughs) I did (laughs) but I just I love it and you know that's what you know you some people say yeah it's my hobby that's what I do I mean I can safely say that that's our life. That's what we do year round. Even if in the off season, mm-hmm. we're getting everything ready for fall. Yeah. You're in it. Yeah. That's, that's, that's our life. That's what we do. And, you know, I'm really hoping to make that our livelihood. We film for, um, Buck Ventures series, the woodsman. And mm-hmm. so our films are featured on that on my door TV. So that's, we're, we got our foot in the door and we're really trying to build off of that. This is our dream and mm-hmm. I feel it slowly coming true. Now, what does your husband do? He's a farm and rancher. I grew up in the farming community of mm-hmm. West Tennessee. And I think that one of the kids one year for a presentation taught us all how to castrate a bull. So, <laughs> I mean, I I have been in that, like fully immersed in the farming community. Um, and there's not, there is a difference, of course, between farming and hunting, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of overlap. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think it's a huge overlap that sometimes I think people miss because whenever you're out there all day and you're planting these certain crops and you get, you know, it's funny because the animals don't care. You can drive by in a pickup and the deer are going to run away. Yeah. You can drive by in a tractor and they'll be like five yards from you. So you really get to, <laughs> you get to watch these animals grow and it, it is so cool. Yeah. And I, I think there is a huge, and that's what draws the deer in. I mean, I know a lot of people think, you know, that is baiting and in a sense, I guess you could say it is, but we're planning this anyways. Right. <laughs> there are different reasons it. for it, but I mean, even the deer have to eat too. Exactly. There's food plots. There's, if you know how to manage land correctly, that involves mm-hmm. farming. That involves you knowing how yes. to work the land. It all works hand in hand. Well, I want to go back just a second because you said once you got into bow hunting, it just exploded. And I think, you know, I've got preteens right now as kids. Uh-huh. And I think introducing them to hunting during archery season has been the one thing that has kept them excited about it because of how close you have to be to animals. Um, whether you end up taking a shot or not, you are learning about their environment up close and personal bow hunting. And I think that's uh, whether you're using a crossbow or a compound bow or a traditional bow, you still have to, you have to be quiet. You have to be still, you have to, there are so many things that go along with bow hunting that I think is great introducing people into hunting. I'm glad you brought that up. And, you know, with rifle, and I know you always, you know, need to play the wind and, you know, hunt Mm -hmm. with the right wind, but with a bow, it's just so much more, (laughs) you have to be so much more critiqued about it. And you like really have to make sure that you're hunting in the right wind or you're going to blow out your whole spot. And that big buck you've been going after, once he catches a whiff, he might not blow at you and he's gone. He's gone. You'll never even know Mm -hmm. he caught your scent. It's true. It's Which very true. Which happened to me this year. Did it? <laughs> yeah. I got down in a bottom and the wind swirled as this buck was coming in. And my husband was getting on him with the camera trying to get a shot at him. And I was like, I couldn't even get the words out of my mouth. I'm like, big buck, big buck. That's a big buck. <laughs> and I, I had a perfect wind. 
it, but it was only blowing like three miles an hour. So that was, that was my first time. Mm. And he comes in and I'm watching him and he gets almost where I could shoot him through the trees and he picks his nose up and smells me and just so gracefully and quietly turns around and, and just trots off. <laughs> it wasn't even dramatic. And that was the end of it. It was like, I'm not even going to give you the time of day. <laughs> My heart sank and I was like, oh no. Yeah. Those are those disappointing moments where it's not that you had any control over it because when wind swirls, it swirls. You can't control that. But, um, yep. but it's just like, that yeah <laughs> that grit of dad gummit that just happened <laughs> i was like please don't hold this over my head for the next two days garrett until <laughs> we oh, go home <laughs> man oh man okay he goes man that would have been a cool beer i'm like thank you <laughs> <laughs> thank you for bringing that up um so you've grown up in hunting you have grown up with this um with this mentality of respect for the hunting community and you had a great opportunity come up for this Idaho hunt for mule deer. So tell us a little bit about planning for this hunt. Well, we were trying to hit as many public land states as possible this year. And I, my husband went to Idaho last year and his dad's been going there for 20 years, um, deer hunting. And he shot one in a completely different area than what we were in this year. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I want to go so bad. I have never shot a mule deer. I grabbed, I got a cow's deer tag for Arizona last year and you could either shoot a muley or a cow's deer with it. And I didn't get either. It's fine. Yeah. I'm not going to dwell on it. It made me cry <laughs> a little bit, but whatever. It happens. <laughs> so me, Garrett, and then our buddy Devin, we're all going to go to Idaho. So we all got tags. Every single one of us all got the same tag. And, uh, so then October, it took us two days to get up there. So by the time we actually got to Idaho was the first day of opening because they're trying to, uh, Garrett was trying to plant wheat right before we went. And it was just, it's been so dry here. Couldn't get it done. So we just left anyways. And so it was October 10th. And so we got up there, got to our unit, got all set up, trekked way back up in there and glassed all day long. Mm-hmm. And and we're just, you know, looking for sign. And so we finally got to where we saw a huge travel corridor and our buddy Devin went to a different side to go spot some deer or Mm -hmm. try to anyways. And so it was just me and Garrett. And so we're like, well, we'll just sit down on this rock. And I had like the perfect setup. There was this V shaped rock that I could put my muzzleloader in perfectly and so I just laid my jacket over it so nothing got scuffed up. And we're waiting. That wind was blowing 60 miles an hour. Holy and it was moly. cutting us straight to our bones. It was cold. He made fun of me for bringing hand warmers, but then he needed them <laughs> in the end. So that was funny. He ate those words. Yeah, he did. And <laughs> so finally, um, we're, we weren't out of shooting light yet, but we decided we were a long ways from the pickup. And we're like, okay. We'll just come back out tomorrow. So I'm standing up and zipping my jackets back up, putting the camera back in the bag. And I look over and I see a buck running. And I was like, Garrett, I tapped him. I said, there's a buck. And he's like, grab your gun. 
So as I'm turning around to grab my gun, I look over and he's already on my rock with his gun. He was, I'm going to shoot him. <laughs> it all happened so fast. I was like, whoa, you were just behind me. How'd you get over there? And so as I'm trying to get the camera out of the bag, it, it happened so fast. He goes, you ready? And so I just picked my binos up and I just, I just had my eyes on this deer to see where the bullet hit. And he smoked the deer. The deer, he didn't even go anywhere. He didn't know what happened. He stood there for, it seemed like two minutes. And finally his back end started dropping and he went down. So Garrett's deer was beautiful too. Awesome. Yeah, I saw a I picture think, of it. That yeah. is pretty awesome. So, yeah, he we were really pumped and he was feeling so bad. He goes, I am so sorry that this <laughs> happened so fast and you wouldn't have been able to get yeah. on. He felt so bad. And I'm like, Garrett, be proud of your deer. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm just as happy for you as if I would have shot it myself because, you know, I'm just happy go lucky, I guess. And uh, so then the next day, it was so windy. We, you know, nothing seemed spooked. There were some other does that went out, didn't even know what happened. And they came out right behind us. And so we're like, well, none of the deer were spooked. So we're going to go back out there um, the next morning. So all three of us went this next time. And so we were glassing and glossing and we see these two nice bucks up on public land, which was, it was quite a ways away. I want to say it was, it was probably over half a mile and they were fighting and, but they were headed our way. And so we got down and went behind all the lava rock ridges and we sprinted over a couple more ridges over and got set up waiting for them. And I mean, it couldn't have been any more perfect than that with the wind and everything and where they were going. So as soon as they crossed over on public land, I got set up and I don't want to give away too much because I filmed it too, but um, they crossed a fence that was on, it was on uh, public land where the fence was. It was just an old fence there. And I ended up shooting him. It actually took me two shots because I got too excited and I was really out of breath and I shot right over the top of his back the first time. Yeah. <laughs> it was bad. I was, I, my, I was like, I just missed him. That was a huge deer and I just missed him. But <laughs> I got him the second shot and he didn't go even 40 yards and fell over. Awesome. And I was so, so excited. Well, there's, <laughs> I don't think okay. I stopped shaking. There's a little bit. This happens to all hunters, experienced or not. That, holy moly, look at what's coming at me. The shakes, mm-hmm. the excitement, the, the complete. I would rather blow a shot completely than injure, right? And so yes. for that to be... For you to be able to have, you took a shot, it completely missed, but then be able to take another shot. That's awesome. I'm glad that it all worked out that way. Yeah. And, you know, I'm glad that Garrett was able to stop him because I don't think I could have got the mitt out of my mouth loud enough. Because <laughs> I was so out of breath. Yeah. He's like a mountain goat and we're trying to keep up with him. Me and my, and our friend Devin, it was horrible. He goes, we got the mountain goat up in front of us. I'm like, I know <laughs> as you're catching but, your breath. <laughs> yeah. So he, Garrett got him stopped and, and I can't believe he stood there. That must have just been God feeling bad for me and said, you know, he's just going to stay here and look mm-hmm. at you yeah. while you get another shot in him. But the second shot was perfect. I took out double lungs and, you know, I'm always one. I like the deer to get as close as possible. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to show off and take a far shot because I want the animal to die fast. Right. I don't want them to feel pain. Right. I want the most, like you said, the most ethical shot possible. Mm-hmm. And so that was... 
I was so glad that it ended the way it did and I didn't find him or anything else because that to me that is the it's heartbreaking worst in the whole world yeah it makes me not even happy that I shot the deer anymore after I do something like that because I just feel so guilty I I agree and you know no matter how good of a shot you are there's always a possibility that a deer moves or you miscalculate and I mean I've had shots you know gut shots I've I have had one gut shot. I've had, I've witnessed shots, spine shots, and it is, it's one of those things that sometimes it happens no matter how perfect of a shot you have lined up, it happens. And so um, I'm glad that you got, that's a great shot. How far was he when, um, when you took the shot, that the final shot? He, He was, and after I took the first shot, he didn't move at all. So he was, he was at 130 yards and that's the closest he was possibly going to get to me. Right. And so I took the shot and, you know, even with a muzzleloader that I know can shoot a lot further than that, I, I still want them to be within a hundred yards. Right. I wasn't going to get the shot, but I was confident because I sighted in my muzzleloader out to 120 yards. Good. So good. I was, I was confident with my shot and it would have been perfect the first time. I just, I don't know what I did. My nerves just Girl, assault, you were whatever, excited. Back. <laughs> I was. I was very excited. Oh, <laughs> uh, well. I, I still am. You, well, of course you should be. It is a beautiful mule deer. And anybody listening, go look. Go check it out because it is an absolutely beautiful mule deer. And um, both of you have a great memory that you're taking home. And um, mm-hmm. it's something to look back on and – and see and remember what an awesome trip that was and a great hunt. So congratulations. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm, do you know, I haven't, uh, I have not harvested a deer with a gun yet. It, it has always been oh archery goodness. and we just have not had the opportunity to hunt on places where you can rifle hunt. And so, um, this year is going to be my first year to muzzleloader hunt. And I'm very excited about it. I've just recently got a wolf, um, a CVA wolf. And so I'm thrilled to be able to use it. And it, it shoots so much. It shoots so smoothly. I love it. That's what mine is too. It's a wolf. Yeah. And I love it. It does not hardly kick. And it's Mm-mm. really light to carry. It really is. It is very light to carry. Do you I know- picked up my gun and then I carried Garrett's gun on the way back because, you know, I was helping carrying out my deer too, but I got to carry the guns and some of the meat. And I was like, geez, yours is heavier uh-huh. than mine. Yeah. What is the deal here? So I was thankful for the wolf. <laughs> yeah. The, my son, who is 10, has shot um, the wolf and loved it. So it's a, it's a very versatile muzzleloader for uh, all mm-hmm. different ages, and it, but it's very accurate. And I don't want anybody listening, and you, you're supported by, um, by CBA, and that's great, and yes. I love that, and we can talk a little bit more about that in just a minute, but this podcast is not, so don't think that this is any kind of woohoo. Like I'm, I'm tooting a horn for them because I love their gun, but it's not, this podcast is not sponsored by, um, by that company. So I just wanted to clear that up really quick. Uh, okay. You posted the picture 
and we're not going to dwell yes. on this very much, but I do want to touch on it because it's something that happened. So you posted a mm-hmm. picture and what happened? I posted my picture on Instagram and this was, I think I posted it on the same day I killed him, which mm-hmm. was October 11th. I will have to fact check myself, but it was right around that time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, perfectly legal. Right. I read, we read our regulations before we got out there, right. which we always would. And I get a, I looked down at my phone on Wednesday and I get a couple notifications of people tagging Idaho fish and game in my posts. And I didn't really think anything of it. I was like, okay, well I'm working. So I'll check it out here in a little bit. I'm too busy right now. Right. And not even two minutes later, I get a call from, uh, Jeff Danker and Tony with CVA asking me about how I shot my deer and, you know, what tag I had and it could potentially be illegal because you can't shoot a scope on a muzzleloader in Idaho with a muzzleloader tag. And so I was at a loss for words. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whenever you're bombarded with a question like that, you you don't think about everything that you, you know, you know, was right. Right. And so I was like, okay, let me, you know, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'll take the hit. I'll make my apology and I will take my fine. Right. I have no problem admitting my wrongs at all. If I'm wrong, please tell me, you know, I don't want to be out there doing the same thing again and not being right. And then getting a lot of trouble later. But in the back of your head, you're going, okay, we double check, triple checked. Like we know (laughs) you. And that's what I was like. (laughs) The only thing I could think of is let me call Garrett. You know what? I got to call Garrett because I don't, you know, he's the one that he's Mr. You know, which I am too, like, but he's Mr. Rule follower. Right. He makes sure, you know, and that's the way, that's the way to be. Well, you're a team. And so right? I was like, yeah, yeah, we are a team. There is no I in team. We, we make sure. And so I said, okay. And you know, they told me that the Idaho fishing game was wanting, they're going to reach me. And so I said, okay, before they reach me, I'm going to call Garrett real quick. I said, let me give you a call back. So, you know, okay. I call Garrett and he goes, Haley, we talked last year when I was there, we talked to the game warden and he went through our stuff and everything was fine. And there was, there was like five or six of them that went out last year to that same place I was at. And they all had scopes on their guns, on their muzzle loaders, right? Because they all had deer, uh, their tag said deer regular on them. Right. It's a regular rifle season tag, but we were in a short range weapons unit. Right. So, and which that is actually the only one in the state too. So that was, kind of an eye opener. And so he got on the phone with the headquarters of the Idaho fishing game and they verified everything he said. And so he called me back and then I called them back and I said, listen, Garrett just called him and I was legal. And so, you know, they're like, okay, well, you know, we don't want to just go off of, you know, he's called and he said it was okay. If somebody's accusing me of something, I want to make sure I have facts to back me up. Right. I'm not, it's, um, it's just like citing a paper. You're not going to write a paper with a bunch of facts in it and then not list your source. Right. I'm going to make sure I am 100% legal, even though I know I was not in the wrong. I'm going to make sure that there is nothing at all that they can, you know, use against me. So I got a hold of the, uh, I got a hold of the game warden's phone number and Garrett just went ahead and called him for me. And then I gave his number to Jeff and then CBA. 
and we got it all cleared up but they were my instagram was getting very brutal Mm -hmm. the allegations and then the horrible nasty vulgar comments against me yes you know and my deal is, you know, there is people calling me a poacher and saying that I illegally harvested an animal and saying I'm doing it just for the gram to get likes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that couldn't be further from the truth. Right. If they had if they had done their research and saw that in Idaho there you that you can in a general short range weapons unit, you can have a scope on your muzzleloader. So this just blew up into something totally out there and it it was it was nuts it was crazy honestly and if we can take it down to the bare bones of it what happened was you guys did your research you had a legal hunt other people didn't do their research and they assumed that you were illegal that is the bare bones of it there's yes that is the understatement of the year for you um, because it blew up so quickly um, with the negative and I it's very frustrating from one hunter to another that instead of stopping reading information making a phone call yourself that there's the keyboard is typed the words are placed, mm-hmm. and from that point on, you have hurt a fellow hunter with accusations that aren't real. So, yes, I think for anything, this should be a lesson to all of us that before we accuse an assumption on somebody that could hurt them, um, not just in the public eye, but as mm-hmm. a ethical hunter hurt them, um, you should do your own research. You should stop for a second and do that research before saying or typing anything. So um, I hope that lessons are learned from people from this. I hope that um, as difficult as it probably has been for you, that other people are learning from it. Um, I mean, heck, even I reading through this and looking through this and hearing your story, to be able to know without a shadow of a doubt that my hunt is legal so that if that did ever happen, I would know 100%. And it's not, I want to reiterate to people, Haley knew she was in the right. She knew that she was right. But everybody coming at her, everybody who was saying all of these things, they evidently needed proof. And so it takes time Mm -hmm. to get proof, right? It takes time to get all of the information, to get fish and wildlife to respond, to have their response, to have all of that, because people are now requiring proof. So it's not like you had to wait all of this time to figure out if you were in the right. It takes time to get all of this information so that people can have their proof. Exactly. And, you know, even if... I were to comment on all of those horrible, nasty, no. some of them very sexist mm-hmm. comments. Yeah. They, they don't, they don't want to know the truth. They would have looked past my truth and found mm-hmm. something else to pick on me like they did. Yes. Yeah. And you know, they picked on me for makeup mm-hmm. because you know, they think that women in the hunting industry should apparently just be masculine all the time, which, you know, 
if that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do. But like we talked about earlier, you know, we're women too. Right. If we want to have eyelashes, if we want to, you know, Mm -hmm. have mascara on or a full face of makeup, if that's what makes us feel good, why not? Right. We're women first. Well, it goes back to, and we can, we can delve into this right now because I do want to talk about the support you've received, but, um, I do, this is, this is an important topic. This, each woman, well, let's take it even further. Each hunter hunts differently. You wear different camo, you use different bows, you use, you use what works for you. You use with what makes you comfortable hunting. You use what you trust in. Shoot, you use lucky charms out there that you take with you out into the woods. I mean, here in Tennessee, people take Little Debbie uh, oatmeal pies because it's good luck to hunt with an oatmeal pie to shoot a deer. Like people take things with them that make them feel comfortable, whether it's tradition or whether it's just something that works for them. You can compare it to anything. You can even take it as far as what sidearm you take on public land to make you feel comfortable. Whatever about makeup. That is, that, that's one of those you do you type of situations. Mm -hmm. And as long as you're an ethical, respectful, responsible hunter, we should be supporting each other, no matter the differences. Um, I was telling you earlier before we started recording, I was reading an article that was written recently that got a little bit of uh, mixed reviews, I guess we should say. And my review of this article was was very mixed. I had to read it twice because at first I took it uh, very defensively, actually. And then as I read it a second time... Um, I learned from it and I took from it what works for me. And it was an article that was written by a non-hunter, Rachel Levin, uh, Levin, and it was labeled Instagram's most fascinating subculture, women hunters. And Rihanna Carey was in it, Amanda Caldwell, Jen Judge, all great hunters, but each one of them hunt differently, whether it's full face makeup, eyelash extensions, um, or nothing at all, just their camo bare face. Like you've got all different kinds of hunters in this article, hunting or photographing the hunt. Um, first of all, women in hunting is not new by any means. It's not new. The number of women in hunting is new. We are growing exponentially, but women in hunting has been around since the beginning of time. That is not new. It should not be this fascinating, like something that we should, oh my goodness, there's a woman in hunting. It, it's not new. Let, that's just the first thing that I want to say. Second of all, I hunt differently from you. I myself yes. do. I depending on the day, if I have a morning hunt, probably I'm not going to put makeup on. I'm going to get out there. I'm going to put some um, hunting face paint on and I'm going to get out there and hunt. If I've got to work before I go hunt, you're going to see me in makeup. Um, Exactly. It's just the way that my day goes. I'm going to go from work to hunting as quickly as possible because that's the time that I get. Uh, Mm -hmm. But... Just because we hunt differently doesn't mean 
that I am going to look down on you, that I am going to harass you, that I am going to say that you are a, and I say this in quotes, huntress, because over and over in your post and in CVA's post that I read yesterday, um, huntress was used as a derogatory term. Yes, it was. And it, which is sad. It's extremely it is sad. sad. That that's used in a derogatory term. I do not claim the word huntress for me, but there are women out mm-hmm. there that claim that word and they are living it correctly. And so for a man to come in and use huntress as a derogatory term really pisses me off. Um, I said to one gentleman, do not call me a huntress. And it wasn't because huntress is a bad word. It was because the way he was using it was derogatory toward me. He doesn't know me. He doesn't know you. Half those people don't. But they correlate a person who shows skin, who gets out there just for the likes, who gets as a huntress. They don't look back at the history. They don't look back at your history of how long you have been in this community, um, of how long you have been hunting, of how long you have invested in our hunting community through licenses, through tags, through hunter safety, through all of that, how much you as a hunter have invested in our community. And so anyways, that article and what happened, what came out yesterday that I read, um, all happened in the same day. And it was just kind of that bonk on the head (laughs) that said, no matter how different we are, we're still hunters. And so take the word hunter and you can elevate that by the type of hunter you are. And a lot of people yesterday who claim to be hunters are below the bar for me now because of how they responded and how they respected another hunter. And uh, that is what is sad to us today, that we in the hunting community cannot support each other. We've got to tear each other down and we've got to nitpick at the little bitty things like makeup because evidently the legality was real. And so now they're going to pick on somebody for the little things. So anyways, I think it's important to say also that, you know, we're always so worried about the anti hunters tearing us down and Mm -hmm. tearing our community apart and making it hard for us. Okay. But then look at all the comments that I was getting and it's not just me. I'm not going to take, you know, right. it happens to everybody, but mm-hmm. it's the other hunters yes. that are tearing us apart. Yeah. They're making it to where they seem like anti-hunters. Mm-hmm. They're worse than what they are. They, you know, they understand it a little bit. So <laughs> it's like almost like they're on the inside tearing us apart from within. Agreed. Agreed. It's just not worth it. It's we have enough no. against us. You've got three subsets here, right? You've got hunters, non-hunters, and anti-hunters. Yes. Anti-hunters, honestly, you can't argue with an anti-hunter. It's like... No. It's like arguing with irrational. You can't do it. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to argue with a non-hunter either because that's not worth losing 
somebody over to an anti-hunter because I argued with them, that I was defensive, that I was um, rude or uh, didn't sit back Mm -hmm. and have a conversation with them, right? It's just that's not worth losing the respect um, of somebody because of my defensive attitude. It is not worth it to put down another hunter by Mm -hmm. any means, when it is legal, when it's legal. Now I'm going to call out all day long. I'm going to call you out if you're being unethical, um, in the field, 100%. But in the right way, in the right way, throwing them under the bus here, you're going to, now I'm going to go privately to them. I'm not going to call anybody out. Ask them about it. Right. Exactly. So it's, uh, it, it's all in how we handle ourselves. It's all in mm-hmm. taking a step back before vomiting what is going to come out of your mouth. Um, exactly. So, anyways, we're gonna we're gonna let go of that. Um, and I do want to talk about the support that you have gotten because that is what we should be highlighting is, uh, are the people who have been supportive, who have stood by your side, who have come out of the woodwork and said, congratulations, good for you. How has that made you feel? You know, I felt like I had this huge boulder on my shoulders of so much hate and Mm -hmm. all these negative, horrible comments. And then it seems like just as soon as I was like getting to work, I can't handle this. You know, this is, this is pretty bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Things are saying this flood of people came in and completely removed it from me and, you know, shut down people that were saying horrible things and, mm-hmm. you know, just lifted me up as, you know, and a lot of them were, you know, I, I knew a lot of them, but then there were so many that came to me on Instagram. They messaged me and, you know, said, I'm so sorry that, you know, you had to give up your unit and, you know, that this happened to you. You didn't deserve it. I, you know, I watched you and your husband's hunts from the last season and it was incredible. And I hope you keep up the good work. And so those messages that, like that, it, that made me feel like, okay, you know, I can handle this. Mm-hmm. I can handle this. I have, I feel like I have an army of people at the front lines with me willing to, you know, you know, just completely, what am I trying to say? Defend me and lift me up. It's, I feel more lifted up than I feel drugged down at this point, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. You know, it was really hard for me to, you know, when somebody's saying horrible things about you, you want to defend yourself. That's like your first, you know, reaction is no, no, no. But, and it was really hard for me to hold my tongue, Mm -hmm. but you know, I have, I have three nieces and a nephew and I know my little nieces look up to me and I don't want them, you know, looking at Facebook or Instagram if they do and saying, Oh, well, aunt Haley, you know, gets on there and just starts calling people out. I guess that's okay. Mm -mm. I don't want that. I want them to be like, okay, well, you know, she handled that pretty well. I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm glad that she, you know, she wasn't hateful. So I think, I think that that helped me a little bit, but I mean, I cannot believe the amount of support CVA had for me. Yep. They were right there at my side. They were, they were basically my shield. I felt like Mm -hmm. in Buck Ventures too, but I mean, they got it shut down just as quickly as possible. And, you know, I was getting phone calls all day yesterday 
I talked to Tony and I talked to Rick on uh, Instagram. I talked to Jeff Danker and, you know, they're just, you know, saying, you know, we have your back and we're praying for you. And that, that meant a lot to me that a company and, you know, I don't have a big following. I'm, you know, I'm kind of actually kind of boring. I don't, <laughs> I don't know why I was picked out, <laughs> but it, it was really incredible to me that these companies felt so strongly about me that they were willing to, I don't want to say put their companies on the line, but you know, I know they got a lot of hate for, it and I know they mm-hmm. got a lot of flock for it. So that was, that was incredible to me. And I know that I, I know that I will be a lifelong CBA customer because of this. Yeah. I think that a lot of people will be when, when they see the support that they have, that they, um, they stand behind you, they stand behind, Mm -hmm. uh, the research that you guys had done together, that you had prepped, that you knew exactly what you were doing. And, um, and I'm glad that they did because, in this world, you need people not necessarily to fight your battles, right? Because no, it's not about that. It's about standing arm in arm together mm-hmm. as hunters and as a community saying, stop, just stop. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So that was, that was incredible for me. I, you know, I keep thinking the only thing that keeps running through my head this whole time was, you know, God will shine a light. God mm-hmm. will shine a light. Mm-hmm. I was not in the wrong and he will shine a light. And, you know, those who live in the darkness will go back under their rocks. And, you know, if they dig a little deeper into what I'm really about and what Buck Ventures and the Woodsman's really about mm-hmm. and even CBA, I hope they dig deep enough, you know, looking for dirt or whatever they're doing and, you know, find God's word because that's, that's what we're all about. Yeah. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and that's that's something that um, when people, like you said, come out of the woodwork, out of the dark, um, they throw things out before thinking. And I think that if mm-hmm. people go back and look at post now, you're going to see a lot of conversations, a lot of communication, and a lot of comments have been deleted. And, yes. uh, a, that shows cowardice in my book. Mm-hmm. Um, but B, I think it also shows some backpedaling and some whoops, we made a mistake. And I don't know if you'll ever hear any apologies for it, but, uh, I did have one, I did have one person apologize, you know, and he didn't even say anything bad. He just tagged Idaho fishing game and right. said something like it's your turn now or something like that. Mm-hmm. But he had the nerve to, you know, come to me and message me and apologize for what he did and then congratulate me on such an awesome mule deer. Now, and, you know, there's character, there's character, um, being able to admit you're wrong and apologize for it. That's huge. Um, that's something to be respected. Definitely. I, I, I have a lot of respect for people that even if they are in the wrong, will step up and admit they're in the wrong. Mm-hmm. And that's why I was saying, you know, even if I did this illegally, which I knew in my mind I wasn't, at the very moment when I got the call, it made me second guess myself. Right, which sucks and, you because know, you shouldn't have to second guess yourself when you do the research, exactly. but it happens. But if I were wrong, I you would see me, instead of making a video explaining why it was legal, 
I would be making a video apologizing mm-hmm. and I would take my fine or whatever Idaho fishing game threw at me. Right. I would. And I, I you know, you just got to take it at the chin at that point. Mm-hmm. But people that run from it, it just, you, like you said, it just makes you look like a coward. Yeah. Yep. I agree. Well, and your I'm, credibility is gone. It is gone. And I think that that's, um, that is the goal of hunters, right? Not if you take away yes. like the hunting part of it, if you take a, if you, because there are many facets to hunting, but when you are in the social media, I, whether you have two followers or millions of followers, when you are out there for the public to attack, your goal as a hunter should be on the up and up. It should be, I do not want to bring a bad name to our community. We already have enough against us. I want to stay Mm -hmm. on the ethical, responsible, respectful side of this. So every single hunt, that should be in in the back of our minds. Am I doing something that is wrong? Am I going to do something that is wrong? Am I doing things right? That should always be the thought. I don't want to bring or shed a bad light to our community. And I think that you do a great job of that. And I think that there are many others that do a great job of that. Well, thank you. And, you know, uh, Jeff actually brought something really important up to me. And, you know, we always make sure we read all of our regulations. Mm -hmm. But he brought up to me that sometimes after you read the regulations, it's best to call and ask questions. Yes. So call the, you know, the state, you know, fish and wildlife department, like, you know, me and Garrett, we're going to all these different places and every state has different rules. Yes. Even if it's right next to our state, you know, Mm -hmm. Kansas has super different rules, especially for check-in than Oklahoma does. You know, you have to send in two pictures for Kansas Mm -hmm. and, you know, everything is different there. And then Texas is even different and, you know, Idaho, obviously, and then Illinois and so on and so forth. Right. So I think for going forward, I think not only will I be reading regulations, but I'm going to be calling, even though I have not been in the wrong. Right. I Just as a, you know, that confirmation, to make sure mm-hmm. just almost as like a secondary opinion, yeah. I'm going to make sure. Yes. And sometimes you know, I don't have a problem calling the game warden. You should never have a problem calling a game warden. They will, they're there to, you know, keep you informed and keep you doing things the right way. They're not something to be scared of by any means. Right. Most of the game wardens, like our local game wardens, I mean, they're awesome. They're great guys. And if you see them at Walmart, you're going to stop and talk to them. That's just how it is. Right. So no, that's a good point. I think that will be my plan. Yeah, that's a good point. And I want to just clear something up but what you just said it's not that you don't read regulations it's you read the regulations but now you are going to back that up with a phone call and I mean we did that last year we went on a snow goose conservation hunt and heard from the guide that this is what you know you need to do this this and this I heard it from a person I went online to check regulations and to check what we actually needed to hunt a conservation hunt in that state. And it was a little confusing to me online. So if I'm confused online, I make a phone call. It's as simple as that. They were so kind. They were so informative, cleared everything up, and it was just a simple phone call. So I'm glad that you said that. 
especially if you're hunting different states, multiple states, it's almost it's almost great to put a binder together <laughs> to, to keep everything together to be able to highlight um, rules and regulations when you are doing that, when you're not familiar with that state, or even if you are familiar, having that right there so that you don't have to even think about second guessing yourself when somebody questions you. Um, exactly. So, and another thing I do, and I, I just happen to not do it on this Idaho hunt. I always take a picture on my phone of my tag. Mm -hmm. I always, always do that just in case something were to happen. And, you know, you have it around your, you know, like I, I didn't take a picture of it. I took a very, like a snippet of it on his antler, but didn't show the whole tag. Right. And so my husband had to take the picture that was posted on CBA. And, uh, but I always have a picture of it in case like it like flies off the antler or something for some weird reason. So I think it's important that, you know, you should take a picture of every license you get. Mm -hmm. And then I don't care if it's for your home state or not. I mean, I can pull like Oklahoma, I can pull mine up on the app. Yeah. But especially for out of state. It's good to have a backup. Just in case something happens. That happened to, um, what was I was watching meat eater the other day and that happened to Steve. He was, um, pulling a deer and lost the tag on the ground and had to go back searching for it in the dark or whatever it is, oh, but no. it hap- it can happen. So for you to bring mm-hmm. that up, it is, it is very important to do that, to have proof. Um, I don't know. It's kind of scary nowadays, the things that can happen. You just, I mean, as a hunter, you cannot have any shadow of doubt. And, um, and so... <laughs> It's a great lesson for all of us. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I think I'm going to, I was cautious before, but this has, <laughs> you know, made me a little bit more cautious right. and I almost feel like a criminal, but I have not done anything wrong. So I feel like I have to like show my identification at all times. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the so, thing. Here's the thing. We talked about this just a little bit before we started recording. This whole situation has put such a shadow over the greatness of that hunt. And so I want to close up this podcast and I I want to make sure that you are congratulated on a beautiful hunt, on a legal hunt and on an awesome deer. Thank you so much. He was my first mule deer. So I'm still so over the moon about him. Good. I'm glad. And I hope that, um, I hope that people can hear your story today and hear your passion for ethical, respectful, responsible hunting, that they can hear um, the awesome support that you have gotten. I hope that they can hear these companies that have stood behind you, that stand behind hunters who are real hunters, who are ethical in every step that they take. So, I hope that is what people take away from this podcast. I hope that they take away the light that you're shining and that um, that you receive so much respect from here on out for doing exactly what you were supposed to do in the beginning. And that's something to be commended. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me. I've, I've really enjoyed talking to you. Good. I'm glad. 
Thank you, Haley, again for joining me on this podcast. I am so glad to be able to get your story out to show your authenticity and your passion behind ethical hunting. I also want to thank your supporters out there from the person who sent you messages saying, we've got your back to CVA standing behind you 100%. So thanks again, everybody. Hope you enjoyed it and let me know what you think.